0: This year, obviously, with a series called Healthy Idolatry. And in order to talk about that, we've begun by just talking a little bit about idolatry itself. I mentioned last week how idolatry is when God gives us these good gifts, and they are good, good gifts, or great stuff from God. And we should enjoy those gifts. But remember, I gave you that visual picture that we should be kneeling before God, enjoying those gifts. And so there's communion and interaction with God. Right? And then there's submission under him because he say, he's saying, Here's, I want you to do it like this, not that. And so there's submission as far as how we enjoy the good gifts he gives us. There's gratitude to God. And then there's worship. So my worship flows through the gift and lands on God as I enjoy it. It doesn't stop on the gift itself. That's what we're supposed to do. But instead, remember, what we do is we grab that gift with both hands, we turn our back on God, and we walk away from him, and then we just worship the gift itself. And so instead of worshiping the giver because of the gift, we worship the gift as God. It becomes our little g, God. And so it's from that little God, that idol, that I seek my meaning and my fulfillment, my value, my worth. I get direction, like purpose, from that little well, idol. That's an idol. That's idolatry right there. Making the gift into our God. Now, in this series, we're particularly talking about healthy idolatry. And it's not that idolatry is ever healthy. It's that we've made an idol out of health. That's the issue. And so youth and beauty and good looks and medical health, physical well-being, self-care, you roll all these together, and health is trending like it never has before in human history. Now, somewhat that's because for us as Americans... Well, we have an issue. It's the affluence of our culture that we have arrived at the peak. We have reached the summit and there's no more frontiers to conquer. See, when you look throughout human history, whatever country kind of is the dominant country, they are often not conquered from the outside. They conquer themselves from the inside. They deteriorate. And so once you've reached the top and there's no more frontiers to go after, you turn towards vanity and sexuality You turn towards pampering yourself and leisure and all that stuff and you just crumble from within because of your idols. And that's where we find ourselves. Look, when you think of some dude in a third world country who's just trying to catch enough fish to feed his family, you understand that he's not really worried about supplements and essential oils. Right? Like his wife's not thinking about Botox injections. That's just not going on for him, right? These are first world problems or really first world idols. These are idols. Now, before I get into this week's focus, I want to remind you, we are not anti-health. We are actually pro-health. We're anti-idolatry. Health is one of the good gifts that God gives us, and if we enjoy it in its right context, that's a good thing. But those good gifts, remember, they make crappy idols. Really bad ones. And, And remember, your idols, they don't love you. Only God himself loves you. Your idols do not. Idolatry is never healthy. Never. So last week we talked about looks or beauty, right? And I imagine some of you probably went home relieved. Some of you might have gone home challenged. Some of you might have gone home upset at me. Some of you hopefully went home and shaved that ridiculous mustache. (laughs) Because that thing's creepy, right? I don't know. We'll see. But this week, what we're going to be talking about is the idol of medical health or physical well-being. And we have an issue here as a culture. I want to look at it in three kind of different categories. We are very into diets, detox, and doctors. Diets, detox, and doctors. We are so into this right now as a culture. So let's talk about those in turn. Now, diets... We kind of covered diets a little bit last week, where I threw at that whole list of fad diets at you. Now, some diets are made to uh, help you lose weight, but some diets are there to help you be healthier and live longer, right? Like some diets are there to get you into your swimsuit. Some diets are there to get you into your 80s. And if you're in your 80s and in your swimsuit, God bless you, you're rocking it, like <laughs> good for you, good for you, right? Good for you. But those diets that are really made to get you into your 80s, to longevity and to live well, live longer. I mean, so some of them overlap, like paleo, keto. Those can fall into that alkaline gut health kind of diets, Whole30, raw foods, all that stuff. Those are diets really intended in some cases to help you live longer and be more healthy. And then, of course, we come along with our diet and we supplement it. We have supplements and vitamins and stuff like that. Listen, you understand, most of the world's population exists on sugarcane, corn, and rice. They're not doing Flintstones Chewables. Okay? That's just not a part of their reality. There's no fish oil, vitamin D pills, whey protein. Not that those three things are bad. I take those three every day. The gift is okay if it's a gift not when it's an idol. So those things are okay that the idol is not. And then we have the issue of eating pure. Eating pure, all natural, right? So don't you dare eat that enriched flour. Uh Uh-uh. And sugar is of the devil, as is its cousin, salt. Now, Shannon and I sometimes disagree on these issues, and I just like to quote Jesus to her, Right? Like, hey, Jan, you love Jesus, right? You love Jesus, right? So let's look. You can look either in Mark or in Matthew. Either way, Jesus said, I quote, salt is good. (laughs) Jesus said it, not me, right? So now our salt is pink and expensive. Dang it! (laughs) How to win and lose all at the same time. And I'm just getting started. You'll see. Shannon is part hippie. I'm like full jerk. And so (laughs) you can pray for our marriage right now. You'll see it, but... Anyway, that's diet. So let's talk detox. When I'm talking about detox today, it's not like uh, addiction recovery detox. I'm talking like we want to get the toxins out of your system so you can live longer. And we have lots of things that fall into this as a culture, right? So non-GMO, organic, gluten-free. And I always tell Shannon, why aren't those things less expensive? Why are those things so expensive? Listen, they didn't go to the trouble of hiring the scientists to genetically modify it. Should be cheaper, right? They didn't use pesticides. Should be cheaper. They didn't put the gluten in it. Should be cheaper. This is why my wife hates me right here, (laughs) right? Uh, And and then uh, I also rib her about her snake oil, a.k.a. essential oils. Uh, They'll say, so, oh, wow, your leg fell off. Here, let's rub some ginger oil on that. Right, some eucalyptus, some lavender. That'll get right. Oh my God! Now I do. Uh, the one essential oil I love is bacon grease. Right? Like so. That that's, that's an essential oil right there. Right? That and motor oil. Try driving your car without it. You'll find out that's an essential oil right there. You gotta have that stuff. But it's made of petroleum. How could you? Right? Oh well. Hey. So we've got we've got detox products uh, in our culture. Like magic washcloths made of metal, right? We've we've got those, like, you don't want those toxic chemicals around your babies, do you? Well, no, unless it's 2020 and there's like this killer virus and it's like, give me some bleach, right? We flip right back real quick on that one. And then we got detox diets. Have any of you ever done the master cleanse? Hardcore 30 days, I did it. Wow. Wow. That's all I'm going to say. Believe me, people, I love you. You don't want me to say more about what happened in my life during those 30 days, right? You do not want to know more. And there's so much confusing information about it. Like, like back then it was like, do the master cleanse. It's really good for you. Now it's like, yeah, that's not the best way to detox. That was really bad for you. Sorry. It's, it's like we're just guessing. We're like throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, which is a phrase I should never use in connection with the master cleanse. Let's move on. All right? so... so You got diets and and detox and then doctors, doctors. So to talk about our our love of of doctors uh, as a culture, I know we've got doctors in our congregation. We do love them. But I mean, as an idol, we got a problem here. I want to approach it by talking about death for a little bit. See, death used to be more of a conscious reality in our experience. Like we experienced death more often. uh, People died more often. (laughs) It's still one-to-one, right? <laughs> like, so what I mean by that, like the, the average lifespan was much shorter. People would have more kids to compensate. And so there was just, we would experience more death. And it was in our face. Like people didn't die off in some hospital or some hospice. Like people were in the home and they died. And when they died, we would then pick up our loved one and carry them out back and bury them ourselves. Death was right in our face as our experience. Now, death is unexpected. Uh, It's surprising to us. It's almost insulting. Like, it just shouldn't be that way. And how'd that happen? It's very surprising to us. We expect long life, and we have a bubble wrapped, safety oriented society because we're committed to long life. Now, the expectation now is that our medical field ought to be able to cure us of anything, of anything. And that's a shift. Like, think how that shifted just in the last one to 200 years. Like, it used to be back in the day, yeah, you'd just die. Oh, your, your hangnail got infected? Well, you've had a good run. Nice knowing you. <laughs> like, you're done. You're just done. Now, here we are in the midst of a pandemic, and the expectation is that the medical community ought to be able to get us a vaccine and effective treatment in less than a year. Isn't that the expectation? That's, and, and that's just, that's recent. So if humankind has been around 6,000 years or more, okay, not debating that, but like long, long time, the last 200 years is relatively recent. That's a modern shift, and that is a major shift with that kind of expectation. And you see that, to, it's lived out in our culture. Drive around, what are the most expensive and the biggest buildings being built? Hospitals right? Additions or new buildings, hospitals and medical centers writ large. They're all over the place. There's a pastor named Anthony Robinson, and he addressed this. Listen to what he said. He said, a society's biggest buildings may be revealing of what its gods really are. Could health, wellness, and longevity be our new holy trinity? Huh. Of course, the cost of health care has gone up as a result, and so we worship our idol with our dollars. The average American household spending on health care has doubled since 1984. Some of you think that's a long time ago. Believe me, it's not, right? That doubled, doubled, that's crazy jump. And so the same pastor dug a little deeper, and and I want to go there, and so listen to what he said. He said, lengthening our days avoids the real question. For what? To what end? How long we live seems to have eclipsed how we live and what we live for as our major concern. Huh. And and boy, haven't we seen that over the last year? That staying alive has eclipsed living. Right? You get that? Staying alive totally has eclipsed living. And those are two different things. And you got to know what's up over the last year. Addiction is up. Suicide is up. Divorce is up. Anxiety is up. Depression is up. All those are up. What's down? Spiritual vitality, community, connection with each other, celebrations, work, finances, fun, hobbies, church. All down. Maybe we're staying alive but not living. There was an interesting article that came out uh, just last month. Uh, actually, Gallup did a poll, released the results in December, and it w- took a survey of uh, how people are doing mentally. And what they found is around the nation, everybody's mental health went down. Okay? It's an issue of living right there. There was one exception. This is interesting. Christians who regularly go to church, physically go to church, their mental health went up. That interesting. It's an issue of being alive and living and living. Now, don't mistake this. Hear me clearly. Is staying alive good? Yes. Is medical health good? Yes. But it's a gift. It's a good gift from God. And and when we enjoy it in submission to Him, and He can take it or leave it. Okay. But when we take it over here and we make it our idol. Now, all of a sudden, it's not good. It ruins our lives. It's an idol. It takes over. And we've done that with diets, detox, and doctors. Now, having given you this list to sh- kind of expose our cultural idol, I'm guessing there are many of you that might disagree with me on one detail or another. Some of you right now are formulating in your mind your email to me this week about essential oils. Right? Right? Or COVID. I haven't gotten one of those in a little while. I probably do. Thank you. Bless you. That's great. So listen, I know I might have ruffled some feathers. As pastors, we see a cultural idol here. You understand, there's no way you can address a cultural idol without ruffling some feathers. If you don't ruffle feathers, you didn't address the idol. And at least if you disagree with the detail, can you agree? This whole mound, this whole pile and go, "Oh yeah, I guess... Though we might disagree with him on that one, but but boy, that's a problem for us. That's a problem. So if we have healthy idolatry, then what do we do? Well, we go to the scriptures. And I want to bring some scriptural perspective to balance that some, all right? Let's start out at the very beginning, talking about how the Bible begins. Remember, it was a perfect creation that God gifted us. There was no death. There was no disease. There was no degeneration. And God warned us. He said, don't sin. Don't rebel. Don't eat of that one tree. Don't eat of that one. Because in the day you eat of it, you will die. Death will be ushered in to creation. I don't want that. Don't do that. And so what did we do? We plucked it. Took a bite. And in that moment, death came flooding into God's good creation. Make no mistake, it's not supposed to be like that. Death is terrible. Death's a horrible thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, it calls death an enemy. It's an enemy of God. It's an enemy of his creation. It's our enemy. Death is terrible. It's terrible. And so what we do is we try to get victory over death. We try to overcome death by doing what? Diets, detox, and doctors. But is that the solution? Because all that does is delay the inevitable. You realize you're just polishing brass on a sinking ship. It's coming your way. Like if somebody beats cancer, okay? You, do you think they live forever? So listen, this is a, a, a raw issue for us right now. Our elders just Thursday night were praying over a woman in our congregation that has cancer, and we're praying hard. Lord, please deliver. Lord, bless. We know even if God hears and answers our prayer and gives us what we want, we know she's still going to die eventually. We all do. Death and taxes, right? Death and taxes. Those two are inevitable. 100% inevitable, you will die. <laughs> even, even when Jesus raises somebody from the grave, you remember the story of Jesus raising Lazarus, right? He raised him from the grave. Hey, have you met him? Have you met Lazarus? Did you see NBC's interview with him last week? No, Why? Because he's dead. He still died, right? There's many examples throughout the scriptures where people were raised from the dead and they still died. The point is that your days are numbered. God knows what that number is. And you know what can't stop it? Diets, detox, doctors. Can't stop it. This is a depressing fact, but I want you to hear it. Nothing beats death. Nothing ever, ever beats death until Jesus came. Until Jesus came. That was the the game changer. See, speaking of the purpose of God and the grace of God, Paul was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, verse 10. And he's writing about the purpose and grace of God. And, And in that verse he says, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who, look at this, who, abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Only Jesus conquers death. When he came, he lived, he died, he rose. His resurrection, he was never to die again. That's the victory right there. And then what Jesus wants to do is he wants to usher us into his victory. He's saying, come on and join me in this. To have great verses like, John 3.16, one of the most famous, well-known verses. Most of you know that verse, right? That's the verse that people write on signs and hold up at sporting events. Correction, used to hold up at sporting events, right? Can't go in anymore, but anyway. So in, in, John, in our culture, I don't think it's a great way to do outreach, by the way. Like our culture doesn't know the Bible. They're looking at it going, who's John and why is he supposed to go to section three, seat 16? Like, get no idea, no idea, right? But we know that verse. You're very familiar with it, right? All right, here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have medical health. Is that how it goes? Is that why Jesus came? Is that why he died? Is that why he rose? So that we could have medical health? No. But isn't that how we live? God exists to give me health here on earth. Well, what's the verse really say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Absolutely, eternal life. That's what we're supposed to be aiming for. See, Jesus trumps death. not great news? Jesus trumps death. And the solution is the gospel. The solution is eternity. And instead, as disciples, sometimes what we turn toward is diets, detox, and doctors see, true health, lasting health, is eternal health, not medical health. Okay? Now, is medical health good? Yes. Is it a gift? Yes. Should we still take care of these fallen bodies? Sure, absolutely. But we don't lose sight of what's truly important, what's more important. We don't lose perspective. One of the greatest passages, I think, on this eternal perspective, at least it's one of my favorites, comes in 2 Corinthians, it's the end of chapter 4, like the very last few verses of that chapter say this. It says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison." As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It's a great passage. What's he saying in there? That this body is wasting away. It's inevitable. There's no stopping it. It's transient. Life here on earth is transient. But you know what eternity is? It's eternal. By definition, right? Like it's really, really long. And so it is a weight of glory beyond all comparison. Like it means so much more. And so true health is eternal health, not medical health. And so I think the Apostle Paul, he's the one that wrote that. It's a word of God, God's word to us, but he used Paul to write it. And I think as Paul wrote that last sentence there, I think he paused and he thought, oh, how can I help them catch this? How can I help them feel it and experience it? You remember Paul's a tent maker? Okay, you think of him as a missionary, and he was. He went on all these missionary journeys, spreading the gospel it was awesome. But in order to kind of earn money so he could eat along the way, he made tents, literally sewing tents together. He said, tent maker, and he goes, ah, there it is. I know. I'll tell him about tents. And so the very next verse starts out chapter 5, and here it is. He says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. What he's saying there, he's saying that our earthly life it's like a tent. What do you know about tents? They're small. They're flimsy. They're temporary. They break down. You don't want to live in them long term. Right? I used to be a backpacker, very avid backpacker. Then I had kids. <laughs> Changed everything. But I still have uh, a lot of my gear. My tent's awesome. Uh, I have a great tent. Backpackers, we're into our gear. W- one of the good things about a good tent, what it needs to be, is it needs to be lightweight, sturdy, and Waterproof. The problem is that those conflict with each other. And so in order to really meet it, you have to spend lots of money. (laughs) And that's the way it works. So I got a great tent. I have no delusions though. I don't want to live in that tent. I have no desire to live in that tent. I'm not longing or groaning for that tent. I I would put up with the tent to go backpacking. I wouldn't go backpacking so that I could live in the tent. You see that? It's just temporary. It's transient. So what Paul pictures is here we are in these transient, temporary, make-do-sheltered tent things called our earthly bodies, and we're all camped out in front of this big, huge mansion of eternity, and it says in front, under construction. And we're just waiting to move in. And and Jesus told us about that, by the way. Look at John chapter 14, verses 2 through 3. Jesus said this, he said, In my Father's house are many dwelling places, If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. It's under construction and we're just waiting to move in. It made me think about a time. So before doing this church, we were doing college ministry at Kent State. Before that, we were doing college ministry over at Bowling Green State University. While we were there, there was a guy in our church named Dave McCoy. And Dave had purchased a plot of property, beautiful, big, lots of acreage, but there's no house on it. So what he did is he moved a motorhome on there and he lived in that little motorhome with his family while he himself was building the house with his own hands. Now wouldn't it surprise us if we found out years later that instead of building the house, Dave was just pimping his motorhome, putting additions on the motorhome, recarpeting the motorhome, painting the motorhome. We're like, dude, what are you doing? of course, not what he did, but could you imagine? That would just be silly. That would just be silly. Paul says, if we're not careful, that's us. Here we are in these make-do earthly tents, and instead of worried about eternity, the eternal weight of glory, the mansion that's just amazing, instead of building into that, what we're doing is we're pimping our tents. We're just concerned about our medical health here on earth. That's not the way it should be. Paul said, look at the end of this. He said, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. We just can't wait. That's what we want. Not longing, not groaning, that we could have medical health, but to have eternal health. Is medical health still important? Yes. Think of it this way. If Dave McCoy is living in this little motorhome with his family and the motorhome roof starts leaking, do you think he'll patch that? Yeah. Yeah, he'll do that. He'll get it done quick so that he can go back to working on the house, right? That makes sense to me. But he wouldn't obsess over the motorhome. See, it's okay to work on your physical health. It's okay to work on your mental health. It's okay to do diets, detox, and doctors. That's okay. But it shouldn't be our goal. It shouldn't be our hope. We shouldn't groan for it and long for it. I'm simply looking to keep this body in adequate repair so that I can work on the things of eternity and go home someday. That's the idea. That is the biblical perspective I want you to have. Now what I want to do is say, okay, well, what do we do with that? How do we apply it? Well, three things. Uh, The first thing I want you to do is really something I want you to not do. Do not become the truth police at funerals, right? Don't take. well, Pastor Rick said, so here's some grieving widow, and, you know, well, praise God, you know, it's no big deal. Stop. It's a time to weep, to mourn, to enter into it. Like Jesus in John chapter 11, that's when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus even knew he was going to raise him from the dead. You know what he did first? He wept. They were weeping. He entered into mourning. The Bible says weep with those who weep. He entered into it with them. We're not called to take this stuff and throw it in people's faces at funerals. That's a time to say death is an enemy and it hurts and I'm so sorry and to weep with them. All right, so don't do that. But here's what I want you to do. Here's the second thing. I want you to seek medical health. Yeah? Wait, what would you just say? Yeah, seek medical health, but do it for the right motivations. Do it with the right heart. So here's the first bullet point under seeking medical health. Do it for stewardship because God gave you that motor home. God gave you that tent. God gave you that body. And so out of stewardship before the Lord, I want to take care of what he gave me. That's a good reason. And then secondly, for strength to serve. Like, I want to serve my family. I want to serve my church. I want to serve the mission of God. And so I need strength in order to do that. John Piper captured that well. He said this, are you aiming to be fit in order to be faithful? Are you aiming to be healthy in order to be helpful? That's a good motivation right there, strength to serve. Thirdly, seek it because you're spiritual. Now, sometimes we get this confused. We go, wait a minute, aren't we talking spiritual, not physical, right? The physical doesn't matter, the spiritual does. The Bible doesn't picture it that way. God, when he created us, gave us physical bodies. In eternity, we're going to have resurrected bodies. We won't be disembodied souls. And, and so we need to value these things. We're whole beings. And so you want to be spiritual, which means go be disciplined, not gluttonous, right? That's a spiritual issue that comes out in the physical realm, so it's an issue of being spiritual. And then fourth and, and last on medical health is we do it in submission to his will. Live or die, God, it's up to you. I'm okay with it. you your God, I'm not. And Paul captured that in Philippians. In Philippians... Uh, Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What he was wrestling with is he didn't know if he wanted to go home to the mansion or stay here in the tent because he could minister. And he's saying, if I go home, that's far better for I get to be with Jesus. I can't wait. He's groaning for that. He's longing for that. But he says, but if I stay here in the tent, I'm able to minister to you and that's far better for you. I'm hard pressed between the two. I don't know which one I'll choose. And he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So to live here, I will be ministering to you. But to go home, that's far better. And so there's Paul. He's got the gift with open hands before the Lord, not clutching it. God, you can give it to me or take it from me. I'm okay either way. I'm okay either way. We receive the good gift of medical health and we say, thank you, God, but we don't clutch it. We hold it open. We realize God could take it anytime and we're okay because our hope is elsewhere. Our hope isn't here. And so when cancer comes knocking, we still pray, we still ask, we still hope, God, would you please heal but we realize we're gonna die sometime and we're okay because we're going home to the mansion, and that's where our hope is. It's not here in this broken world. So I I want you to seek medical health, but for the right motivations. And then the last thing I want to put before you is this seek eternal health. Seek eternal health. And I have a couple bullets onto that. The first one is this don't be a loser. Somewhat, I just want to be a pastor who gets to say that to my congregation. But don't be a loser. And here's what I mean by that. If your goal is to be medically healthy, to be physically healthy, you are destined to be a loser. It's inevitable. 100%. You will lose that. There's no way around it. Don't be a loser. If that's your idol, if that's your life commitment, you're a loser. But if your hope is in Jesus, if your hope is in eternity, winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right, don't be a loser. Secondly, what I want you to do is to receive the good gift of life. Now, by that, I don't mean a a, a prolonged life in this sin-stained, broken, fallen world. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, Jesus came. He died for you. He rose for you. He loves you. and, And he wants to lead you into the same resurrection. He wants you to be folded into that, that you would get your resurrected bodies. I mean, that's when we get home to that mansion, we're going to get to see Jesus face-to-face. Not, not now, like through a mirror dimly, but then face-to-face. That's a good gift of life that Jesus wants to do for us. He did that for us. And you know what we do? We go, yawn. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, but can God heal me physically here now? That's not the goal. Receive the gift of life. And then lastly, lastly I want you to Hope in eternity. Hope in eternity. Look forward to it. Long for it. Groan for it. That's what we want to set our mind on, those things that truly matter. Listen, what if you took, I want you to take a post-it note this week, some scrap of paper, and I want you to write eternity on it, and I want you to put it next to your bed or on the bathroom mirror somewhere that you'll see it first thing when you get up in the morning. Because I wanted to remind you, listen, when we wake up, like the, this world comes running at us, right? And our mind goes and we forget. we got to remind ourselves, no, eternal life does not start then. Eternal life starts now. When you get up every day this week, I want you to be thinking about eternity. Yes, you might have to patch the roof on your motorhome, but could you then move on and spend your life investing in things that you'll care about 1,000 years from now? that makes sense? Let's be those kind of people. And for that, I want to pray. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we love you. And we are so grateful to you for the good, good gifts that you give us. Health, medical health. Thank you. But you're our God. You're our hope. You're our joy. You're our satisfaction. You're our meaning, our purpose, our value. We love you. Don't let us be led away to stupid places with idols. But Father God, can we trust you? And, and do we want medical health? Sure. And at the same time, Lord, you could give it to us or take it. We don't care. You're our God. We need you. And so lead us into worship of you, our good, good God, right now. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.